Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown. 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sacco. He's Brian Rennick. We might get an appearance from Zane Knockby today. We'll see. We'll see. Zane knows we're recording right now. He's going to try to hop in. So it might be the first show with the three of us. It might not, Brian. We'll, we'll see what happens. But regardless we'll of what happens, we'll see. You know, it's who knows? But regardless of what happens, Brian, I got to say, first game for the Niners, can't read too much into preseason, I know. But I thought as far as what happened on the field, this was a really good outcome. I, I turned that game off the other night, and I, I was legitimately like, you know what? If I could have scripted it, that might have been just about what I would have scripted. That, that was pretty damn good, I thought. Uh, yeah, like you said, you can't read too much into preseason, but at the same time, the 49ers organization seems to have read a lot into that preseason game based on some moves that they made uh, just today. And so I think we'll we'll get into that in a bit. But yeah, I don't think it... Uh, I, honestly, I don't think it could have gone better uh, especially for the rookies, the rookies, uh, to me, that was the storyline of that game was just how well, uh, a lot of rookies played in that game. And then obviously, you know, the most important storyline in 49er land is Trey Lance and his development. And Hey, he looked really, really good. So obviously, you know, it doesn't matter till week one, but, uh, all signs to me are pointing up and I'm excited about it. Yeah, and like you said, a lot to hit on, especially with the rookies. It's funny you mentioned that because I had some stuff highlighted today to talk about that too. But let's start with Lance because he's a story, right? Obviously, Trey Lance is the story and how he did Hold on now. Hold on now. We have a special guest. Oh, do we? There There he is. is. He's back. back. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. The legend. The three-man weave. Here we go. Zane, welcome back to the show, man. Appreciate it. Broadcasting live from my child's nursery. There you go. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good to have you, Zane. And we were just 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 getting into this game, which we were saying you you got to be excited about, right? Pretty happy, and and we're starting with Lance. And here's what I what I thought with Lance: like there were three plays that stuck out to me. Okay, that I just said like I wanted to see certain things from him growing in terms of being a quarterback and things like that. The first play, and these are in no particular order, um, was when Justin Skule got beat um, on the rush, and Lance got sacked. Why is that a play? Why did that play stick out to me? If you watch that play, the rush is coming, and this is a young quarterback. He doesn't panic at all. Actually, he's got enough wherewithal to sort of duck his right shoulder and protect that ball and step up in, into the pocket where he all ends up getting sacked. He had no, no chance on the play, but he protected the football and minimized damage. That was one thing that I was like, all right. The second thing was when he scrambled, um, it was, might have been the first series, he got eight or nine yards. But if you that watch was the first that play, was it the first play? Okay. First drop back. First drop back. Okay. I'm drinking a lot during these games. It's all, it's all muddled. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it happens. But I, I remember the play, and um, he's just got his eyes downfield the whole time, right? And he's, he's just moving his shoulders. He's moving in the pocket. And he's got his eyes, 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 eyes. And then he hits that line of scrimmage, and boom, he's gone. And again, I'm like, okay, again, there's no panic. He's watching the field. He's looking for to throw first, and then it's not there, and, and then he takes off. And the third play was the play that got everybody excited, the long touchdown to Danny Gray. Now, I saw this stat today from Bill Barnwell of ESPN. Since Jimmy Garoppolo became the quarterback of the 49ers, he's attempted 7.2% of his attempts have gone 20 20 yards or more. That's it. That's the lowest in the NFL by by a pretty wide margin. Now, last year, and I know it was a small sample size, but 18.3% of Lance's attempts um, out of his 71 attempts went over 20 yards, which would have led the league. I know it's small sample size. It probably wouldn't have ended up that. But the point being is this guy looks downfield and you saw a little bit of maybe what we can expect in that game where he makes the big play. So now he played really well the other night, I thought, but if there are some games where he struggles and he's not, he's a little inaccurate, you may still get two or three big plays downfield that can still get you to 20 points or 24 points. Whereas the Niners had, you know, it was death by a million paper cuts before it seemed like. So those three things really excited me. Um, some of it was little, some of it was big, a big splash play. But again, if you're a Niners fan and you saw those things, nothing but excitement, guys, nothing but excitement. Yeah. And I think that like when we look at Trey and his set, it's just so different than what we've seen in the past five years. Right. And I think that that alone brings excitement to the fan base and that's what people wanted to see. But yeah, the, 
that first play where he scrambled out, I, I looked at that as well. And the, the pocket awareness to, to the internal clock, I think is one of the hardest things for a quarterback to actually like acquire and like yep. understand. And it seemed like on that particular play in that particular instance, like it was right, like bang on. And there was an easy eight yards for him to pick up right there, right in front of him. And he got it. And that's what I want to do in, in games. I don't, I don't like design run. I don't like design quarterback run plays. I don't think he should be used like a running back. I like these ad lib sort of scrambles that if it's, seven or eight yards right in front of you and you have open field, just go take it, right? Make you give yourself a second and short, something easy where you can open up the playbook and then that can proceed like a big play, or like a long play or something like that. So to me, that was actually quite impressive that he was able to navigate the pocket, like on the first play of the game, right? And be able to do that. The second thing, obviously the Danny Gray touchdown, like, I mean, that was just right in the bucket, just fantastic throw. The, the protection held up well. Um, and we saw that the speed that that Gray possesses and, and what they actually wanted to draft him for. And then and that element, that didn't actually exist in this offense. I mean, well, if you want to count Travis Benjamin, but like he didn't, he was kind of nothing player, but, but that didn't exist last year. Right. And they had that now. So it was nice to see flashes of that and the throw to gray along the sideline. I mean, honestly, like it was a little bit late and wide. It wasn't a bad throw. It wasn't terribly inaccurate, but if you have like Debo or Ayuk, that's probably a complete the pass just because they're veterans. They understand like the relation to where the route is versus like where the sideline is. And they would probably have been able to kind of, either clear that route earlier or being able to get both feet in balance. So really like it was kind of, um, you know, like I, I think an A performance from Trey, like, you know, get, get in there, make a few throws, be efficient, don't make any mistakes and go out. Because I think the way that like, and we'll get into this as we get into week one um, and get closer to week one. But I think that what's going to happen is that you're going to see them operate similarly to how they did with Jimmy, with the exception that they'll have more downfield throws. But the idea that your quarterback will not lose you the game is going to be something that, that will kind of start uh, at the beginning of the season with this team, right? Like they'll rely on the running game of the defense. And then I can see Kyle slowly giving Trey more and more of the playbook and more autonomy to run his own offense as the season wears on. Cause look guys, he's, he's essentially still a rookie, right? Like he's only started two games. Like he's essentially for all intents and purposes, rookie. His first campus starter. So we have to see what we have in him. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm, I'm willing to live with the ups and downs. We hear it in practice every week, right? He had a bad day one day, and then he's fantastic the next day, right? So you're going to see a lot of that until he learns the NFL speed and the game and all this stuff that comes with being a quarterback in National Football League. Yeah, I I was I was thrilled with his performance. Uh, my other uh, podcast co-host Tim Sprinkles, uh, he played quarterback at the college level, so quarterback is kind of his uh, his his uh, expertise, if you will. And one of the things that he pointed out on that uh, on that scramble was, yes, he <clears throat> he climbed the pocket, uh, sensed the pressure, uh, started to run, and then flipped his hips right uh, in preparation to throw downfield because he still had his eyes down. But the other thing that he did was he kept both hands on the ball as he climbed the pocket, which again is another fine detail point that I think is important and just kind of goes to show his pocket presence, which I think is something that. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about and and it's probably underrated uh, just because, again, we haven't seen it all that much. Uh, but what I appreciated was one of the criticisms, you know, and and again, some of these people, you know, are are criticizing for the sake of trolling. And, and, and I get that. But one of the criticisms is, you know, Trey Lance is a running quarterback, right? A runner first and a quarterback second. And I, I just completely disagree. And I think that game was a perfect example of it. You know, he doesn't look to run. When things break down, he still keeps his eyes downfield. He looks to get the big play. And if he can't, and there's something in front of him, like you said, Zane, then, then he'll get it. And I appreciated that. The other thing I think that we, <clears throat> that we have to, that we, that we have to kind of parse out is, you know, again, Kyle Shanahan wants an accurate quarterback, right? Everybody wants an accurate quarterback. That seems a pretty simplified uh, thing to say, but, you know, accuracy is important to Kyle Shanahan. The thing with Trey Lance, though, is that while accuracy is important, it is not vital like it was to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? For Jimmy Garoppolo, his accuracy was imperative because he wasn't getting those chunk plays. So you have to be incredibly accurate if you're going to live in the middle of the field between the numbers, you know, not, not really challenging the outside or the deep half or deep portion of the field. And so with Trey Lance, while his accuracy is important, you know, his ability to hit those big plays makes a lower uh, completion percentage palatable, right? Whereas with Jimmy Garoppolo, a low completion percentage meant he wasn't effective. With Trey Lance, a low completion percentage 
doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't effective, right? Because like you said, Zane, he can hit a handful of those chunk plays and all of a sudden you've got 21, 24 points, even though, you know, Lance may be at 61% or 58%. You hope he's not in the fifties, but you know, I'm, I'm certain that there will be games like that. So, you know, ultimately this, this offense uh, is going to be, uh, I think very, very much run the ball, hit big chunk plays. And then as the season progresses, we may see more of what we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo as Trey continues to get comfortable within the offense. Uh, but I, I don't know how you don't watch that game and just get really excited about what Trey Lance brings to this offense and to this team. Yeah, I think that, sorry, I think that to add to that one point um, about chunk plays, one of the problems with this team over the last five years of Jimmy was that teams would stack the, the opposing defense would stack the box, right? Like there would be nine, 10, 11 defenders in the box and you're having to complete short, precise passes within that. That would create a lot of turnovers because there are a lot of hands, a lot of bodies in that area. Um, so I think that with Trey being able to stress the field a little bit, you're going to be able to have teams to make teams pay for doing that. And you're going to be able to understand that, well, if you're playing the 49ers, you can no longer have 10 defenders in the box because you have a quarterback that can hit the deep plays and hit the chunk plays. And you have players who can go down the field and, and stretch the field. Like they can finally utilize Kittle to stretch the field the way that, that, that we've always envisioned him, right? Like he's, he kind of was relegated to be most, a lot of times a blocker, like the, the play at the end of the Super Bowl against the Chiefs where he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders, like George Kittle was in blocking on that play as an extra blocker, right? Like I would have loved for him to be out in that route. And on top of that, Jimmy missed Kendrick Bourne for an easy first down as well, but we won't talk about that. So regardless, you have a quarterback who can, who can now stretch the field. And then that enables your offense to be multi-dimensional against defenses that try to stack the box. It's like, all right, cool. You're going to, you're going to put 10 in the box. I'm just going to throw it up over you and, and we'll get six that way. So it, it's going to be really exciting to see how they, how they adjust and adapt. Yeah. One thing, one thing can I say too, that, that drives me nuts, like it, with a lot of the criticism that we've seen of Trey, and I know they, that you see, you guys have seen it too. And look, I like to see the camp stats, right? It's fun. You get to see what happened, but everything that gets put into that in terms of like, oh, well, he went four for 11 today, or he was 11 for 19, this and the other thing, the completion percentage from camp is utterly ridiculous. One, it's practice. Two, you have no idea what they're working on, what they're trying. If he's trying to throw there that he might maybe wouldn't try in the game, maybe he's, I'm going to try to hit this third level throw or whatever it is. I get that it's fun. I read them too. I look forward to seeing how he did, but it's utterly ridiculous to quantify that at all with the success he's going to have or not have. It's absolutely crazy. Um, your eye test should tell you a lot from Saturday over what somebody reported on Twitter or, or wherever in an article about what his completion percentage was in practice. I mean, give me a break. Can we stop? It's okay. Can we, <laughs> we can look at the things that we did, but can we stop analyzing that? Most of you weren't there. You know what I mean? And maybe that everybody no. wasn't there. I don't even know if you knew what you were looking at. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what's in his head. You don't know what they're practicing. Drives me crazy. But back to your point, Zane, about how good this offense can be. Another thing from Barnwell's article, when Debo, Kittle, IU, and Juszczyk were on the field together last year, they had a 0.175 EPA. Um, which would have been the best, which is expected points per play, I guess, um, which would have been the best in the NFL. So you have just these monsters on offense that have been kind of been waiting to get unleashed. And if this offensive line is good, and if Trey can be even maybe 85% of what he showed the other night with the deep ball, just that, this offense can be scary, 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 scary. And it, that's really exciting as a Niners fan because you got Kyle Shanahan, somebody who everybody says in the league and fans, everybody, he's this great play caller, right? And you have these blue chip players on offense and Debo and Kittle, and you check some blue chip guy. You have um, Ayuk, who maybe maybe ascending to that. Ascending, a, for sure. You know, at, at worst, I think he's a really good number two right now. Right. Um, so how are they not scoring 35 points a game? How? How? Trent Williams? You know, how is this team not out there putting, not, I know not every game, you're going to have games where you don't, but how is this team not out there putting out big numbers? And I think this year, maybe we might finally see that not all the time, but you can start seeing some glimpses of what this team can be. They're going to need a, they have a tough schedule. They, if, I don't know. I was looking at the schedule. I do this every season where I look at the schedule and Al, you and I have done it like before you season, we look at like wins and losses, but yeah, you know, they, they are going to have to score points to win this year. And that's not because the defense is bad. That's just the quality of offense that they're going to face. Right. Like obviously with the Rams twice, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, like you, Denver, 
you have Chargers. the Raiders, Chargers. Chargers like you yeah. have you have so many teams there that you may and probably will have to outscore. So it's nice to be able to have that and to get into a track meet. And I think that one of the things that kind of plagued the 49ers, and again, like, so so my whole thought, like, I, I haven't been here, obviously, for the past, like, couple months, but, you know, one of my thoughts on Jimmy as all this stuff is unfolded as I'm watching from the background and and nursing a child and all this stuff, and, like, uh, it's... it's Al, Zane, you're, you're not nursing the child, right? No, I'm not nursing, okay. so I'm not nursing okay. the child as okay. I'm, as I'm uh, taking care of the child. For sure. Uh, Giving moral support to your wife. Moral right? support, yeah. There's a kind of <laughs> so as I'm taking care of the child, uh, is that you know the what what Jimmy did for this team, it's similar to what I see like the Warriors did with like Mark Jackson transitioning into Steve Kerr, where like he was a guy that like was able to like help get them there, but they needed somebody better to get them over the hump, right? Like he contributed and you know, we can debate what the contributions were, but he was he was there when they ascended back to, uh, I guess, relevancy. Relevance, yeah. And now Trey is kind of a guy that you, you add into that mix with a similar team to take you over the, over the top. So that's kind of the way that I see them this year and that potential for the offense to be able to be more explosive and all that stuff is, is really just a byproduct of improving a position that previously was either injured or in cases when you needed a play was not able to make a play. Yeah, ultimately, to me, it's it's the correct team building, right? You build up the team around the quarterback position, and then when it's when it's ready, and when it's you know when when you're ready to unleash that, then you then you put the quarterback in that you think is going to be most uh, effective. And I think that's where we are with Trey Lance, right? You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, I don't dislike Jimmy Garoppolo, and do I think Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best thirty-two quarterbacks in the NFL? Absolutely. I do think he deserves a starting position, uh, but ultimately, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo does not have all of the skill sets that I think is necessary in order to win a Super Bowl, especially when you've got quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and uh, Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, like these guys that you're going to have to get through, Matthew Stafford to a lesser extent, right? So, um you know, Jimmy provided a base level of competent quarterback play, and now it's time to get somebody in there who hopefully, and we don't know, right? It's a gamble. And I know that Shanahan and Lynch know it's a gamble, but what you're betting on is this kid that has uh, a an elite skill set and, and a great head on his shoulders is going to develop into somebody that, you know, can go toe-to-toe with the Josh Allens and the Herberts and the, and the Mahomes. And so, again... You know, I, I, I'm, I don't remember being more excited about a season than I am this season, just because there's so much to be excited about, not just Trey and what he does for the offense, but this defense is going to be elite. And, you know, it's just, I, I honestly feel like there something special is brewing. And as long as, as long as the 49ers aren't hit by, an extreme injury bug, you know, it seems like we've got some hamstring fairy that has uh, cursed the the team right now, but hopefully that doesn't, you know, go into the season. But yeah, I'm, I, I'm excited. I'm just, uh, you know, again, he didn't, <clears throat> there wasn't anything on Friday that where I went, Ooh, that's, that's tough. You know, Zane, you brought up that, that throw to the outside. It was a little high, uh, but also gray uh, didn't run the most crisp route, which, you know, Debo or you probably would. So um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about anything and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah. More than anything, yeah, I would say you just need a quarterback who's going to text you back. That's it. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> not ghost you back. after, after you give him uh, over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I mean, I'll never, cool. I'll rarely text me. I text you and you're just like, just leave me on read. It's like, Hey man, like so-and-so guy like, uh, I'm going to talk yeah, to the Yankees are playing. But I do respond. I do. Res- I'm not a great texter, but I do respond. I do respond. You do. You do. I don't. I don't do the Jimmy G ghost thing. I do, I do <laughs> hey, hey, Al, we have we have a request for no gum, please. Oh, who said? Oh, really? Yeah. Here we go. Ready? Boom. No All gum, right. team, please. Thank you. Here you go. <laughs> it's coming out. All right. There you go. I always have gum in my mouth. I'm the Pete Carroll of podcasts. So I love it. Oh man, I love it. You're the raw, you're the rah rah guy. Also, it's funny. <laughs> uh, speaking of Pete Carroll, so. The only season I can remember that I was more excited about was the 2012 season because you knew you mm. knew this team was going to be good that year. Like 
they had just lost a championship game. And I remember saying to myself, I'm like, this team's going to the Super Bowl next year for sure. Because you knew how dominant they were. And like Harbaugh had fixed Alex Smith. They were returning all of their starters back, I believe, on both sides of the ball. Like it was all 22 guys were returning. And then, you know, and then you throw Cap in the mix later on that year. Like it was just 2012 was just such an amazing season, right? Like you knew they were going to be good that year. So I think that, you know, this year, like the only thing is that like, all right, the unknown, like you said, is like with the quarterback position. If Trey was like a known commodity, I would be like, all right, you were one game away, a few plays away from the Super Bowl last year, which you probably would have won. Like we haven't had a chance to talk about that much post Super Bowl. Like, I mean, they, I think they, I fully believe they would have beat the Bengals if they played them in the Super Bowl, but you were a few plays away. Right. And can Trey make the difference to be that those few plays? I mean, we'll see. I hope so. So I, I share in your excitement for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the next thing, and, and Brian, you alluded to this biggest thing other than Trey, I thought was the rookie, right? You never yeah. know what these rookie classes and the Niners have a tendency to hit on some of these late round picks. And if you look at the guys, it's in this unbelievable, game, man. It, it is, is like, crazy, right? It's so, unbelievable. Well, let's start there. Let's go from bottom, bottom to top, I guess. Burford and Warmack, Womack, who you're talking about fourth and fifth round, I think. Buford in the fourth round and um, Womack in the fifth. Yeah. These guys look like fourth starters. They look like they're going to be starters. So yeah. Womack, you know, they cut Denard today, which I was surprised that they cut him this quickly, you know, because you never know what can happen throughout a camp. But they cut him today and he hadn't played nickel because it looks like Womack may have that spot. And look, he had two interceptions the other night. Yeah. And this is a secondary that has not turned the ball over a lot. It's not what they do. They don't have ball hogs. I mean, they don't have good players, but they're not necessarily ball hawks. So to yeah. have him come in there and do that, that was exciting. And then you got this guard man who was mauling people, mauling people out there. Yeah. I was nervous. I still, you know, I still got to see in a, you know, a regular season game, but I was nervous about that interior line. And he was, he looked like a beast, like a bully out there. It was good to see. The thing that I actually appreciated most, and somebody highlighted this, I can't remember who, um, but that play that we were talking about where Trey had to climb the pocket and then ultimately got that eight-yard scramble, uh, the pocket collapsed because Burford, got, as as someone tweeted out, got his ass whipped. And that was, like I said, the first drop back of the game. And mm -hmm. then from there, he dominated. And so yeah. what I appreciate, and 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 this is harkens back to something that Kyle Shanahan said earlier in the in the uh, during camp, he said, because someone asked him about Burford and some of the rookies. And he said, the thing about it is you don't really know like how someone's going to respond until they get their ass whipped on the field. And that's exactly what Burford got that first play. And then did not allow that to derail his entire game. As a matter of fact, he got better, um, yeah. which I really appreciated. And then Aaron Banks had a clean sheet and pass protection had zero pressures allowed. Uh, those are the two to, to, for, for most people, those are the two biggest unknowns on that line. Obviously Jake Brendel at center sounds like that is his job now. Cause Brunskill is out probably for the rest of camp with a hamstring strain. So, uh, yeah, Burford's performance and Womack's performance really led the rookies, but then you, you obviously had Danny Gray and his long touchdown. Uh, Drake Jackson looked incredible, um, in the, yeah. in the, in the time that he was on the field before his shoulder stinger. Uh, Ty Davis price looked good running the ball. And then even Brock Purdy, you know, obviously going against guys that aren't going to make the team, but Brock Purdy looked good. And then Jason Poe undrafted free agent, uh, looked good at right guard as well. Um, and as I, uh, as I said, um, <clears throat> earlier today on Twitter, uh, the 49ers released fullback Josh Hockett, which paves the way for my dream scenario, which is fullback Jason Poe. Cause that dude, that dude is the most athletic six foot one, 305 pound person I've ever seen in my life. Just light feet. Just there's, you know, he, he put out videos of him like running routes, runs crisp routes. Like it's bonkers. So I'm excited uh, for Jason Poe. He was my favorite undrafted free agent. And so far he is living uh, up to that. Uh, someone asked, will Womack make the 53 man? Not only will Womack make the 53 man, he is the starting nickel cornerback. Like it just, that's, that's what today's move says is that they've yeah. essentially already determined that he won. Uh, he won that battle between him and uh, and Dark has Denard to the point where they released Denard in order for him to catch on somewhere else. So yeah, yeah we'll make Mack will definitely won make it. Not to yeah. be the Nickelback, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I think so. I want to start with Poe. So he was one of my he was one of my crushes as well. My my undrafted free agent crushes. And you talk about the athleticism and. It almost reminds me a lot of of DJ Jones and Al. We know DJ Jones quite quite well, right? Like we had him on the show, and the athleticism of him, the, the dunking basketballs and things like that at six mm -hmm. one and three hundred pounds. It's almost like they found a similar guy to fill that hole. 
on, on the team and, and uh, to be able to play multiple positions. So I think that I, I like that idea of having a guy that's versatile enough to use in different packages and a guy that can basically like, all right, well, he's, he's athletic enough where he's going to be able to find a spot on the roster. So I think that he, he will make the team. Um, Womack was just unbelievable. Like what, a, what an unbelievable first preseason game. Right? I know, that, I know it's a glorified practice, but like he was fantastic. And I know he's going up against second and third stringers, but I mean, like, man, how many times like, like Tarverius Moore had looked lost. Right. And that's understandable given his first action, but like he was not good. Right. And mm-hmm. this guy was, was starting at safety for the team, like the, you know, during the Super Bowl year. So I think that like, mm-hmm. um, when, when, when Tar was out. So I think that when it, com- when it comes down to the rookies, the first five rookies drafted this year will probably all significantly contribute in one shape form and, or another to the team. Mm-hmm. And, and on a Super Bowl caliber roster, if you want to call it that, that is something that is awesome, right? Like you talked about Drake Jackson, who I think is going to be unbelievable. I think he's going to be really good opposite mm-hmm. Bosa. Ty Davis Price, like he, he, I think will spell Elijah Mitchell really well. Like I feel like they're going to have a lot more depth in the backfield than they did in the past. Um, and you know, Danny Gray, I mean, I just fantastic athlete, fantastic speed. They didn't have that Womack and, and Burford, right? Like the top five picks, like they're all going to be, they're all going to be contributors, right? And how often do you see that on a team that's good? Yeah. Usually it's and none bad. of them were first round picks. Exactly. Right. None of them the were first thing. round picks. Yeah. Like how often yeah. do you see that on a team that's actually good? You see that on struggling teams that have a roster in flux and they don't have starting positions settled and things like that. You never see that on a playoff team. So I think that this team is, is probably, I'd wager to say, the deepest team that Kyle Shanahan has had. And I think that for that reason, again, like going back to the beginning of the show, like we talked about how excited we are, like for that reason, that just adds the excitement. And one other thing quick on, on Burford, like he, he was uh, with the first team almost immediately, it seemed like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, he, so, so immediately he walked, camp. Yeah. Yeah. He walked in the door and impressed, which is just, you know, it says a lot because they, they didn't know what was going to happen at that guard spot. That was a big question mark. And we still have to see what happens, but so far it looks good. And in terms of the running backs, man, Zane, I don't know because you never know with Kyle, right? You got TDP, <laughs> you got Sermon. I think Hasty's on the outside looking in, but yeah. then you got Jeff Wilson. Don't forget about my man. Right. Jeff Wilson, when he's high, Kyle likes him, he runs hard. He's a good player. And Eliza Mitchell, I, I don't know who's going to, who's going to be the guy behind Mitchell. I, I don't, I still think Wilson could end up being that number two. I mean, we'll see what happens, but you just never know what's running back with this team. So it's the, sort of uh, might be in the doghouse, uh, right? Like, cause I mean, the, the way that Kyle has been talking about him, cause there's one doghouse guy every year for Kyle. Oh yeah. It was, it was Ayuk last year. It was borderline Debo the year before, cause he showed up out of shape. It was at times Jimmy as well. Like there's, there's always a doghouse guy for Kyle that he tries to push. So I feel like Trey Sermon might be that guy. And it's not for lack of effort or ability. I feel like Trey Sermon could be a good running back, but I feel like Kyle has just kind of singled him out and be like, Hey, you have to be better. And uh, usually that doesn't, it's either sink or swim at that point. Remember Dante Pettis was that guy too at one point. And it's either you make it or you don't, if you're in Kyle's doghouse, there's no like hanging on and getting multiple chances. So, for that reason, like having that Jeff Wilson card to play when you need it is a big one because uh, again, Al, I think that the stat was going into last year over the last, what, four years, there have been no 49er that had scored more touchdowns than Jeff Wilson, I believe. Right. That was, that was the stat going, in, going into last year. Yeah. Yeah. Going yeah. into last year. Correct. So he, he had the most touchdowns out of any 49er partially because he was the most healthy, but also because he's just such a weapon down near the goal line, right? Like he's, he's catching passes and running the ball. So I think that there's always a place in a, in a, Kyle Shanahan offense for a guy like that that is has the ability to catch and run. Remember, that's what Elijah Mitchell did really well uh, versus Raheem Mostert. Mostert didn't really catch the ball out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell is a much better receiver out of the backfield, and I feel like that's part of the reason why they chose him over uh, over Mostert plus the price tag. Yeah. yeah, I think you know the the <clears throat> the team released uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Um, not you know obviously not the Keyshawn Johnson, um, but I are they related? They might be. Maybe not. Anyway. No idea. Um, but uh, they released him today, and he was kind of, I would argue, probably the front runner for that sixth uh, wide receiver spot. And I actually wonder if, <clears throat> because of what happened last year, uh, and because we know that that Kyle wants to be a running team, and and I imagine their their goal, at least at the beginning and the, or the first half of the season, is to run the ball down everyone's throat. I actually wonder if instead of carrying six wide receivers, they carry five, and that extra roster spot goes to one of those running backs to where they're carrying not only Mitchell and Ty Davis price and Jeff Wilson jr. But and, well, and, and use check, but also both 
uh, Sermon and Hasty because Hasty and or Mason, uh, I think one of those two, right? Um, because I think I, you know, I think they're they're in the boat where they don't want the same situation that happened last year, where all of a sudden all these guys go down and you've got Debo running the ball uh, between the tackles. Um, you know, they pay that guy too much money now to be able to, you know, to want to do that. So um, I actually wonder if they will carry uh, more than uh, more running backs than they normally would and less wide receivers uh, just because of, of what happened last year. It'll be interesting to monitor. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're not going to win throwing 40 times a trade, at least at the beginning. You're not, that's right. not, that's not a recipe for, right. for winning either. You're going to be, that means that either you're behind or you have no running backs. And if that's the case, it's a lot of pressure to put on, you know, essentially a first year full-time starting quarterback who's, who's had limited action in the last three years of football. So I, I agree. I agree that maybe like the first half of the season, they may, they may do that and may just like stash guys in a practice squad and hope that nobody picks them up. But I mean, like really like your, your wide receivers are, are pretty much set, right? Like you've got Debo, Ayuk, Jennings, um, Danny Gray, um, and Ray, 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 and essentially like the sixth wide receiver spot. If you want if you don't need that, then, then you don't need it because Ray, Ray can return right. punts and kicks and stuff. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, I, yeah, I was gonna say that's, that's my thought was they, I, they might not carry a six wide receiver because they don't need one right now. Mm-hmm. Someone has a question about Jordan Mason. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't think Kyle, Kyle seems to take these running backs either high in the draft or he's aggressive for running backs. I feel like almost every year. And then you just got somebody who comes off the street and ends up playing over those people. So I listen, if Mason shows that he can play, I, I want to put it against Kyle to, you know, have him in the top three or four, wherever he earns it. You know, I don't think he's married to Sermon. I don't think he's married to Davis Price at all. Or yeah. Hasty, yeah. Or yeah, Hasty, I think, is on the outside looking in right now personally. But yeah. we'll see where that goes. But he's another one that was, you know, undrafted. It, you know, he wasn't somebody that they um were aggressive towards. So I think right. Mason has a chance. They all they all do. I think Mitchell's a starter. And then after that, and I, I don't think Wilson's getting enough if he's healthy, I don't think Wilson's getting enough respect right now. But all the rest of those guys, it can be any of them. I, I really feel that way. Whoever whoever shows out, I, I think I think will you know climb up the depth chart. So, you know, I think he's looking to you know you look at that Atlanta team, right? And you had you had both Freeman and Coleman, and I think he's trying to get there. Um, you know, or at least at least he was. You know, Mitchell Mitchell showed promise as a bell cow, but at the same time, he was hurt a lot. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think they would rather. Uh, if, if, if enough guys show out, then I think they would rather kind of split those carries a little bit just to keep everyone healthy. Yeah. And on top of that, I think that like a succession plan for some of these guys that are on one-year deals, like I believe Jeff Wilson Jr. is just on a one-year deal. Right. So Mm -hmm. just having that on the practice squad, just stash that away to have a guy that you know, that you're comfortable with, because I think that's the other thing too, is that Kyle, he, he picks up a lot of running backs, but you have to be, he has to be really comfortable with you to be able to, to carry the ball. Like there's, there's a level of trust that goes into being a running back on this team that is more so than other position groups on this team, right? Because uh, there's so much responsibility from that position in both in, in all three phases and blocking, catching and, and, uh, and running the ball. So you have to be somebody that is, is worthy of Kyle's trust in that sense. And, and I think that maybe that's where Trey Sermon didn't, he kind of fell short, right? Like, because he, he lost him in that trust. And I, I feel like one of the things, one of the reasons why he trusts uh, Elijah Mitchell so much is number one, like you, he has a production, but number two, he doesn't fumble he doesn't put ball on the ground. And the, the trade off is that it's, it, it's huge, right? Because then mm-hmm. it's, it's, it allows you to control the clock. It allows you to run the offense the way that you want to run it. It shortens the game for your defense, which is, I feel like the, 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 when they perform their best, remember when they got into the point late in 2019, when they were down a lot of starters and, and games are starting to look like track meets, they struggled a little bit. They went, they went from top, three to basically bottom 10 in that small stretch. So although it's a much different team this year and they're different, it's different personnel. I feel like for a lot of these guys, especially like Bosa, who's just like balls to the walls all the time. Like they're, if they're overworked, if they're on the field for 35 plus minutes in a game, like any defense, their effectiveness will drop. So being able to have healthy running backs and guys that you trust to hold on to the ball is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jimmy Ward is probably the most un, one of the most underappreciated players in the league, one of the most underrated players in the league. And he was someone that he's, he finally made the NFL top 100. I was excited. For him. Well-deserved. He was in like 96. Yeah. I think, right? Still, still not high enough, but at least he made it this time. Very, very well-deserved, but he was yeah. a punching bag for the fans for, for a few years there. 
And I think sort of fans started to recognize really what he means to this team and how good of a player he is. Yeah, he's not a ball hawk going to get six interceptions in a season, but he's incredibly solid. He's a terrific cover player. He's terrific in the locker room. He means a lot to this defense, maybe more than anybody not named Bosa or Warner. And you know what? They're deep at linebacker. I mean, you don't ever want to lose a Fred Warner, but they could probably live for a game or two because they're so deep at linebacker. But Ward's out with a hamstring injury now. And Kyle said it's a fairly significant one. He might miss week one. And you know, coach speak, he could say, you know, he might miss week one and he ends up having his, you know, his leg is broken or something. You know, who knows with that? So, and, and you know, we don't see him until halfway through the end of the season. And God, I hope not because that's where I start to get a little worried. If you lose a Warner, if you lose a Bosa, if you lose a Ward, losing Armstead, that's where you start to get, okay, that's not good. And losing Ward is not good. And all of a sudden that safety unit, when you look at it, you're like, you know, like you said, Zane, Moore didn't look good the other night. He's still working his way back from some things. And Hufunga is, is, is young and learning. And, you know, all of a sudden that group, it's a little scary without him there, right? When you don't see Ward penciled in there, it's, it's, it's a little unsettling, isn't it? It is. and. Again, Charverius Ward as well. Both wards are out. So I mm. think that when you have, if you have one injury in the secondary, usually like if the rest of your secondary is healthy enough, like they can somewhat ac- compensate for that, uh, that, that absence. But right now they've got three out of four starters hurt and they're probably, none of them are, are going to play the preseason. I don't anticipate Royal C. Mosley or, or Charverius Ward a play in the preseason. I think that just keep them on ice. Um, so now you're, you're looking and Verrett's not ready to come back. So now you're looking at guys like Deomador Lenore, Ambry Thomas, guys that played last year and played well, but I don't know if you want those guys like starting for you in week one. So I think that when you have injuries like this to your secondary and you have so many of them, it's, it's going to put pressure on the other groups, right? It's going to put pressure on the defense to get the, the pass rush to get there sooner. It's going to put pressure on the linebackers to cover better over the middle. It's going to put pressure on everybody, the offense to be able to hold on to the ball more to shorten the game again, like I said before. So it's a big, it's a big sort of injury for the 49ers. Thankfully, hopefully it's not anything too significant where he's going to miss multiple games, but even missing that one game for essentially your quarterback in the secondary and, and one of the, the vocal leaders on this team. I, it's funny. I said that when Charvarius Ward came on, onto the, uh, to the scene and his confidence and his swagger and things like that, coupled with Jimmy Ward's confidence and swagger kind of brings a championship mentality to this group. And I feel like, for, as a defensive back, you have to have that chip on your shoulder to be good, right? Like Richard Sherman did it so well for so many years. And to be able to uh, have that championship pedigree and that mindset is something that a, a corner needs because you're constantly on an island. And if you don't have that as a defensive back, it's it's difficult to function. And when you don't have that back there in the defensive backfield, that leader and that vision and that experience, it, it the, the rest of the group feels it. Because remember, with those guys starting last year, Lenore and Amber Thomas, like Jimmy Ward was there, right? Like he was there mm-hmm. in the backfield. And I think that helped a lot to have that veteran presence for those guys. And now if, if he misses multiple games, it's going to be a really, really tough stretch for them to try to cover because I don't even know who's going to take that spot. Like Kyle said that they would look at options to, to bring people in because I don't think really that there's a, a solution on the roster, to be very honest. I don't think there's anybody good enough to play that position very well right now. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, the tough part is, you know, ideally you'd like more, right. To be that guy that fills mm-hmm. in just because, you know, he kind of matches the athletic profile of Jimmy Ward. The, the issue that I saw with, with more though, um, you know, that, that play that he gave up the touchdown, it was, um, it was, uh, on zero coverage. It was, uh, they were bringing a, bringing a blitz and I, <sighs> What I'm worried about with Moore, the 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 arguably the most important aspect of his game was his athleticism and his speed. Right, he was a four three guy. Uh, that was they drafted him to try and convert him to corner because he was so fast, and it just didn't work out. And and you know safety is a better position for him, and you could see why. Like his coverage skills aren't at the level that you need them to be, but he could be an eraser on the back end with that speed. Um, if you're letting him play kind of single high and, and, and kind of run around, but on that, on that play, you know, when he got burned by dubs, uh, he just looked slower, right? He looked slower than he was. And, and if you remember Jason Verrett, when he came to the 49ers, he was coming off an Achilles tear and they brought him in and then he got absolutely embarrassed in that Steelers game and then ended up 
on IR for the rest of the season. And it wasn't until 2020, right, when he uh, was able to was fully recovered from that Achilles tear. We're on a year for more, right? It's only been a year. He, he toured in camp last year. So perhaps part of the problem is he's not back fully. Um, I don't know. It definitely looked like he was slower. So then if it's not more, it's not going to be Hufunga. Hufunga does not have the speed or the coverage skills to be able to man that position. So now you're looking at either George Odom or who, right? So they are going to have to bring someone in. I believe Tavon Wilson is still uh, a free agent. He was with the team last year. They might look to bring him in. Um, they've got other guys. They've got that Taylor Hawkins kid. Um, but yeah, it's if he's out for an extended period of time, that is um, that's a real devastating um, uh, development for for the back end. And it kind of just puts us back to where we used to be, which was an elite defensive line uh, that if they're not getting to the quarterback, then then that defense is getting torched because they're not holding up on the back end. So uh, I, I do believe that Mosley is supposed to come back uh, to practice this week. That That's the word. Um, but I, I, I think you're right, Zane. I don't think he's going to play during the, the preseason at all. Um, and then Charvarius Ward, why risk it? Just let him, you know. He's already proven enough. He's already shown what what he can provide in camp. Um, you know, put him on ice until uh, week one. And 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 if if at week one you've got Ward and Mosley on the outside, then hey, you know, I I think uh, at least against the Bears, you're probably gonna be able, you're probably gonna be fine. Um, but but yeah, that the the Jimmy Ward injury is something to to be worried about and to and to monitor moving forward. Yeah, and Kyle Ustek said, you know, Trey Lance's locker is by Jimmy Ward. That probably wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so that shows you what how respected he is yeah. by the coaching staff and the team. You know, he's a leader, you know, a captain type guy there. So he's going to be missed. You know, he's and look, maybe hopefully he is back by week two or whatever it is, but but he will be missed if not. So for sure. All right, guys, upcoming for this week, obviously the Niners have these joint practices with the Vikings and then the preseason game versus the Vikings. I know we got to talk about it. I know we got to react to it. I saw enough, and um, I don't even I don't want the preseason anymore. Just I want to start the season. I can't even like I don't care what happens this week. I feel like. The Niners have a real good roster, but I know we got to react to it. So I, I guess, you know, these practices are going to be interesting to see. Um, what David said, y'all do realize you played against the Packers second and third string players. I do realize that, but they played good against them. So I mean, they could have played bad against them. Their rookies yeah. did good against them. So it's, that's what you only have. You can only react to what you have to react to. So when I think everything, if we came on here and said, we'll see, or, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty boring. So. Yeah, I agree. It's only preseason. You know, we got to see what they're going to do week one. But but at the same that. time, if they played poorly, you would have pointed right. out right. that they played poorly against the and that would have been a big deal. Right. So we can't have it both ways. You can't have it be a big deal if they played poorly and then not a big deal when they play well. Right. You should mm-hmm. expect them to play well against the second and third string. And they did. And that's positive. Right. If they didn't play well, that would have been an issue. So, yeah, they they played against the Packers second and third string players. But that's what preseason is. Nobody's saying that, you know, we're not getting overly hyped against you know, about these results. We're just saying, hey, these rookies looked good. Trey looked good in the, in the in, you know, in the five pass attempts that he had. Uh, those are all positive de- developments. And, 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 you know, if, if none of those went well, that, you know, that would have been an issue. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the Niners didn't have Debo or Ayuk or Kittle or Williams or, you know, they didn't have any of their blue chip players out there either. So, you know, mm-hmm. you just re- react to what you had there. Uh, Bill wants to know what the word is on swing tackle. Um, you know, I, I know, I know the Niners like McKibbitz a lot. So, and he, look, he filled in well last year and, you know, I could see that. I'll tell you who it's probably not going to be right now is Justin Skule. I held my breath every single snap when he was in. I mean, I know he was hurt, but um, man, man, did he play poorly. <laughs> he almost got killed a couple of times. Yeah. So uh, Skule has got a, a long way to come back. But yeah, McKib- McKibbitz might be a good bet. I think Jalen Moore's going to stick around too. So we'll, we'll have to see on that. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think that's. I think they want Jalen Moore in that swing tackle role, and Colton McKivitz, and both of them. the The key for offensive line, uh, especially if you're a depth piece for them, is you've got to be versatile. You got to be able to play more than one position. And both McKivitz and Moore can slide inside to guard in a pinch. School cannot. So again, I think that might be uh, one of the issues for him. Yeah. Yeah. School. School scared me. <laughs> that's a yeah, little scary. That was. That was, that was, yeah, that was, every day. Yeah. Every drop back. I was like, Oh, school got beat. Who's that? Oh, school. Who that? And, and McGlinchey again, uh, 
we I don't know if we touched on this or not. I I don't know what you guys talked about before I was here, but uh, McGlinchey he has an, the the uh, issue with the knee I think this time around and and irritation I guess uh, and in his knee. So I don't know what that means and how long that's going to prevent him from playing or if it will. So there's there's a lot of question marks in the offensive line. We knew this right once they lost uh, three fifths of their offensive line, right? But that being said, I think that Burford helps and. You know, Jalen Mills being there as well as as a swing tackle could be something they could possibly look into as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Offensive line is always one of those where in any camp in any team, there's so many injuries uh, along that that position group that what you have on paper is rarely what you get in the season for all 17 games. Yeah, and Philip wants to know: Would Niners seem to trade a player every year in camp? Any thoughts on that? Well, I hope they trade a guy named Jimmy. I hope that. <laughs> That might be the trade trade that happens this year, but you know, not Jimmy Ward though. Yeah. Right. Uh, the guy who doesn't text back, I think they might, (laughs) um, listen, I, it's still, I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. Um, you know, Cleveland, I guess we'll see what happens when this Watson thing comes down. Um, Zach Wilson is probably not hurt enough where the jets would be an option. I never bought the giant stuff anyway, but his surgery. So Wilson's surgery is tomorrow. It's on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I, I still think there is definitely uh, a world where they get in there and they go, oh, man, no, there is more damage here than we anticipated. Yeah, um, and so I, I think I, I, I think we can't close the door on the Jets until we get a little bit more word on on Wilson surgery and whether they found uh, more damage or not. But I, I do think if if he if he is out for an extended period or the season, it, it makes sense for them to trade for Jimmy simply because. Again, Sala and uh, Douglas, they really need to prove proof of concept, right? Um, and Mike White for an entire season is probably not going to allow them to do that. Joe mm-hmm. Flacco for a whole season is not going to allow them to do that. Jimmy Garoppolo for a whole season possibly could. You know, he again uh, provides that that baseline of competent quarterback play for you to at the very least evaluate everything around him. So I don't think we can close the door on that yet until we you know we hear more about uh, about Wilson. And then, like you said, Al, with the Browns, um, reports are everywhere. Nobody knows anything. Um, you know, there's a. Re- I saw a report that Browns are anticipating a year, um, and if that's the case, then they might look into trading for Jimmy. It makes sense. You know, you can't. Again, you can't go uh, Jacoby Brissett for an entire season with that with that roster um, because you're you're wasting a year. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we appreciate the questions and the comments, guys, for sure. Keep them coming. Yeah. We'll answer them all, answer as many as we can. So, all right, you guys, what else we got? Anything winding this down? Uh, you know, I think, I think these uh, practices are going to be more important than the game itself, right? The game will be on Saturday. Um, not sure how many, how many starters are going to be in that game. Uh, probably not very many. Um, I do think, I, I do assume Trey will be in it. Maybe for the same kind of the same amount of time as uh, as as he was against Green Bay, but at the same time, if things go well in these joint practices, uh, then Kyle might not necessarily need to see him uh, uh, in in the game on Saturday. So uh, obviously, that's that is what we need to monitor. But um, you know, it feels like this is the real. You know, even that, even that Green Bay game. Not you don't want to take a lot away. This to me is is the first real um, information gathering uh, part of training camp, right? Um, now they're going against another team, another defense uh, for multiple days, um, and I think the reports that come out are going to be are going to be informative. Yeah, for me, it's week three. Week three of the preseason is when I find out the most because that's when the starters get the most play, typically. And if we see any starters in week four, that's not a good thing because that means that and guys that aren't working back from injury, because that means that week three, there is no week four. Zane. No week four. Oh, wait, there sorry, is no week four. Yeah. What do you got? Dad brain? Week three used to be. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so week yeah. three is, is the one that's going to tell me the most, right? Because it's, if they struggle in week three, then that's kind of a red flag to me. It's like, all right, well, this is, this is basically a dress rehearsal for week one, right? So we need to make sure that everybody like we'll probably see some actual plays around in week one, uh, like a handful of them and see how they go. But like if Trey's like, you know, one of 10 or something like that in week three, then then I would be kind of concerned for week one. But otherwise, I'm not really, you know, if preseason's like 
glorified practice. It's fun. I'm a terrible watcher of football games. I'm, I'm so tense during the regular season. Preseason a chance for me to just like chill and like, you know, it's like watching. It's fun. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not caring about the score and you get to see some of the rookies playing stuff like that. So I, I know I'm the, I'm the minority, but I always liked it. Yeah. The only thing with me is the only thing that's really, like I said, I'm done at this point. Like I've seen, I've seen enough. And the reason I say that is because there's so many established guys on this team, right? And I know Trey isn't. So Trey's a big wild card. You want to make sure, like I said, he doesn't have a one for 10. You want to make sure that the interior of the offensive line doesn't collapse, you know, things like that, you know, but other than that, there's so many established dudes on this team. So many established blue chippers, just get in healthy, man. Just get in healthy. I think they could, they could, if Trey's good, they're going to be good. That's kind of the way I feel about it. So any surprising players making the 53? Oh, no. Don't I mean, Jimmy. Back don't, end, say Jimmy. Right? No. don't say Jimmy. No, no. <laughs> they no. would text him and he would never get it. Anyway, it wouldn't yeah. matter. Wouldn't know. Um, no, I don't know. I think there might be some back end guys, but I don't think anything's going to be like, he's maybe Brian said, maybe like five receivers, you know, something like that. I, I think maybe there's a defensive lineman who, who make it. Um, but I don't think there's going to be any like big surprise that's going to make a huge impact type thing, unless I'm totally missing somebody. But yeah, I don't think you know. Um, I, I to me, and we talked about him earlier. Perhaps Jason Poe. If I think if Jason Poe made the the 53 man, that would be a surprise to me. Um, again, just because he really is interior only, um, and they've they've got that covered with Burford and with banks and with um, uh, more Emma Kivitz who can, can cover in there as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, there, there is that, that possibility, um, especially if they look at him for, you know, other, other opportunities. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, there's probably going to be a DB that, that makes it that we might not have thought could make it. Um, and that m- more has to do with uh, depth and, and injuries right now. Uh, because again, if, if Ward is, if Ward is going to be out until week one, um, you know, th- they're going to have to carry another safety um, because three safeties isn't, isn't going to cut it um, even, even going into week one. So, you know, there'll probably be a surprise there if, if he's not able to go. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, maybe a name on the defensive line that, that we weren't anticipating, um, you know, with Ridgeway out, perhaps one of those guys that, that is filled in, you know, maybe they make it versus Ridgeway just because they didn't get to evaluate him very much. But, but yeah, I don't, I, this, this roster is so deep. We talked about the rookies that are going to make it. Um, I think that's a, that those, those five are a given. Um, and so I think of the other three that they drafted, which would have been Nick Zakel, Tariq Castro fields and Clea Davis, Clea Davis, isn't going to play this year. Um, so he's not going to make it. So then of those two, uh, it would be Castro fields would be the one that would most likely make it, uh, was Zakel probably going to the practice squad, but Hey, that's a deep rookie class and an impressive rookie class without a, without a first round pick for sure. Definitely. Definitely. All right, you guys. Well, it's going to be another exciting week for sure. See how these practices go. Hope for good health. And man, the season just can't get here fast enough for me. So we'll see. Absolutely. So, all right. Can't wait for September. Yeah, seriously, man. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited for the season. I know everybody is. All right. For Zane and Brian, this is Al. We appreciate you guys. Later.